All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, my guest is Patrick Gaston. Patrick is a corporate executive, humanitarian, and also the owner of Patrick Gaston Consulting. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you, Janice. So, Patrick, um, I met you way back when, back in the Verizon days. And um, maybe you can share with our listeners a little bit about what, what you were doing and um, some of the responsibilities that you had. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that you were responsible for. Thank you, Janice. First of all, it's a great pleasure to be with you and um, glad that we had a chance to work together during those wonderful days at Verizon. I had had many assignments before we met, but I have to say, I think some of the most impactful work that I did was when I was working in the public policy, public affairs area, and I was asked to take a look at the whole approach to uh, stakeholder relations. And as we did that, we examined, in a sense, the opportunities for the company, the risks and uh, reputational opportunities for the company. And we decided to put together a framework called corporate social responsibility. Uh, I'm happy to say now it's much more common, but back then in the late 1999, 2000s, it was not as well known. So we had to do a lot of work both within the company and uh, with our stakeholders to affect what I thought was a really very, very, very impactful corporate responsibility strategy that I think the company has evolved over time and that has helped its business model, its approach to customers, employees, and all the stakeholders. You know, as you think about, we have a lot of listeners um, who are at various stages of their career, you know, really trying to figure out what's going to happen. So you might have people listening right now, shout out to just starting out in their careers and trying to figure out, wow, what he's talking about sounds really interesting. Or you might have some people that are somewhere in the middle that are saying, hey, do I want to keep doing this? They might be with a small, mid-sized company. Maybe they're with a large a corporation, an organization. Um, and then you've got other people who are sort of at that next stage, the next chapter going, okay, well, what's next now? What's the next horizon? So when you think about, you know, what you you learned throughout your career from Verizon, and then if you want to talk a little bit about some of the other places that you've been, anything that you can share in terms of those learnings that might help somebody that's listening in? For me, it was in a sense, a moral compass and, and, and some clarity around the fact that look, you know, we have to be doing good by the people that are helping us to win in the marketplace. So I think for anyone aspiring to get into this field is to get into it any way you can. If you serve the community by volunteering to a, a local nonprofit, that's great. If you, serve, if you can get into corporate America and you're working in human resource and they have employee resource groups that focus on community engagement, that's worth investigating. When I was at Verizon and at Western Union and at the Clinton Bush Haiti Fund, you know, a lot of folks came to me 
asking, well, how do I get into this? I, I would say, look, you know, if you take a job uh, in the foundation, it might get you to that place. But the, the great thing too is that as this evolves, it's becoming better defined inside the company. Its value proposition is clearer. And in a sense, and what we started to do way back when is that they've gotten really sophisticated at understanding the impact that they're having on the critical social economic issues that they're targeting. And, and they're doing it in a pretty scientific way. So there's a way to see how it relates to your profitability, how it relates to environmental impact, and how it relates to your employees and all your stakeholders. Yeah, you know, when, when you started talking about, you know, your moral compass, I got a chill. Um, and as you know, you and I have talked about this in, in corporate America, um, we use these terms like purpose and passion and, and the rest of it. But at the end of the day, it's sort of like, why do you wake up in the morning? You know, what is your what is your reason for being? And I think that we hear this all the time, but certainly you definitely found that sweet spot that, um, I mean, you can just hear it in your voice um, that this is something that is really your your life's passion. So it's so when you think about um, this is this is my next really question for you is where did you go to school what what were your interests back then that might help people also as they're thinking about their own journeys. I am a naturalized American. I'm from Haiti originally. I was born in a town called Port-au-Prince, and and I think the prevailing thing that my parents tried to instill within us because we weren't rich it was the need to have a good education. And I went to a school called Frère André, and they were very tough-minded, you know? And so, so when we left the United States to come to the land of opportunity called the United, uh, when we left Haiti to come to the land of uh, opportunity called the United States, we already had, a, uh, my sisters and I, I had three sisters, we had, a, in a sense, an advantage because we were really well-trained, although we didn't speak the language. But we, uh, you know, arithmetic, math, and all that kind of stuff came relatively straightforward to me. And then within six months, we were all speaking English. And I think be, beyond that, of course, is what people traditionally go to through in America, which, you know, you go to high school, you go to college. I went to a combination of Northeastern University and UMass. I was studying social psychology, and it wasn't until like my third year in that I became more interested in business. And I started to do internship work at the Boston Globe. I was working for a man by the name of Tom Winship. And I remember that could have been a career, a game changer. I was his office assistant, so I, I would do everything, but we developed a very strong relationship. And then he came up to me one day and he said, Patrick, how'd you like to be a journalist? I go, Tom, I'm a businessman. <laughs> 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 and so, uh, so I told him, I said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. But, you know, had I taken that path, I think I would probably be on Fox Business News, CNN, or any other networks, because, you know, I, I think that that would have been an interesting career track. But I chose business and very proud of that choice. And so one thing led to another. But uh, I recall when I first started my corporate business, my corporate experience was in Paris. And I had always wanted to go to Paris. I was working for a tour company. And to me, that industry was not secure enough. So I came back to Boston and started working for a company called New England Telephone. 
And that really then morphed into oh, what wow. we do as Verizon. Very, very tough to get in uh, on the ground floor. Not much diversity, but some great people, some great support uh, at that stage. Not a lot of promotions early on, but uh, some great experiences with, with uh, functional experiences to get to know the business. And once I, I was able to do that, I was given an opportunity to do leadership and development training out of our training center. And while there, I was teaching diversity and inclusion, leadership, situational leadership, which is Ken Blanchard, things like um, success through action and responsibility, which is Jack Canfield. I can't, I can't believe I remember these things. Wow. <laughs> while I was doing it. So of course you would imagine it's teaching me a lot of life skills. So I'm not only teaching, but I'm learning. And this wonderful woman uh, who was a senior executive at Verizon at the time and and, at our government affairs office in Washington, D.C., she sat through my class and she and her colleague came up to me and said, you know, you should be in government affairs and public policy and public affairs, and you should be working in our office in Washington, D.C. And of course, back then, a minority person like me, it was unheard of. And so in a sense, I broke the color barrier and I I was able to get a job running uh, an organization called Strategic Alliances for a wonderful uh, group of people. And then it just took off from there and they gave me opportunities in a lifetime that served me today. And I will just end to tell you, but because of, they weren't just being generous, they were actually doing their job and they knew what their jobs were. And by the way, they had that moral compass where, and they saw in me even things that I didn't see in myself. And so all of that combined really helped me then to get the kinds of opportunities that I did. And I think to the benefit of the company, the benefit of the communities that we serve, certainly the benefit of my family and my community. So I'm very, very proud of that. As we're talking to our, our listeners right now, it's looking for those types of companies that I think portray a lot of the things that you describe, Patrick, because what I see as when we define great people and great companies, it's exactly what you and I experienced, which is being able to find that mentor, being able to identify areas where you can learn and you feel challenged and you're given the room to grow, that's when I think people really start to feel like, you know, they can make a difference. And that's where the company thrives to your point around really uh, embracing diversity and having that uh, insight to be able to put the right people in these positions. When you think about defining success, Obviously, maybe you had a view of that way back when, and now you have a view of success. You want to share a little bit of your thinking on on how you define it? Uh, I think for me, back then when uh, I started at the phone company, it was all about, I want to be, I want to get promoted. I want to be a director. I want to be an executive director. I want to be a VP. And I want to be, ultimately, I want to become a CEO right? So it was all about climbing that corporate ladder because that's what you were taught in business school, right? So we did case studies at at Northeastern 
on, on, on General Electric at the time, which was the company, Levi's, et cetera, et cetera. I and mean, it was all about, you know, in a sense, the ascension of different executives, what made them, what broke them, et cetera, how they got through it. But I think, or in, particularly increasingly in the last few years, uh, I, I define success in my view as, in the simple terms, is making a difference in people's lives in a way that is permanent, right? So we, we work with people, we, uh, people work on our teams, we work for, uh, on other teams, we have leaders and everything else. And we, we talk about making the enterprise better, but ultimately I do believe it's a, it's a function of making each other better. So for me, success is being in a position where I have enough resources and the kind of position and personal power to be able to affect change at the individual level, at the group level, at the business level, at the, at the community level, at the state level, at the national level, at the global level. And I believe that's within our reach. And so, but it does start with, you know, the ability to actually touch people in the right way when you're in a position to do that, to leave them better off than before they met you. It, it, you're, you're echoing something very interesting. I did a recent poll uh, out on social media and I asked one question when deciding on choosing a company to work for a company or an, or an organization, choose one of the following in terms of the most important attribute, people, product and service, or salary. And it was close to 90% in terms of the respondents answering people. And I think that there's something going on. It's not that People, you know, the, the element of people wasn't important before, but I think you hit on something which resonates with me as well, which was we were taught in business school and in, in our education, like you, you succeed, you move up, you get more money, you succeed, you move up, you get more money. And, and I think that both from a generational perspective, as well as just everything that we're going through from 2020 to 2021 and on, that People want now more than ever to work with people they like, that people who people who are going to sponsor them, mentor them, give them that room, because we all realize that, you know, how you spend your time and who you spend your time with is as important as those other elements. I, I think also, within, at least within the workplace, there's a need not only to just like, accept people that you work with, that work for you, that you report to, et cetera, or your customers. But if we stick with the, the workplace itself, there's a need to ensure that your systems are in place, that when people are giving it their all, that they're rewarded in an equitable, fair way, and that we are looking at the performance systems, the human resource systems, and all aspects of what we do that fit within this corporate social responsibility space, including our relationships with suppliers and what they do with their employees in these various issues is really critical. So that it's not just having the position or the power to say, oh, well, you know, I'm working with such and such and they happen to be a person of color or they happen to be this and I like them, I'm treating, but you have to ensure that fairness is fairness 
Equity is equity. Opportunity is opportunity. Couldn't say it better myself. I think that um, when we look about, my, my next question was actually one or two things that you've learned about business success and great people and um, I think you've hit on a lot of these pieces, but real fast, what would you say is the one key takeaway? You know, my, my takeaway is success has to equal in, in some elements, in some way, quality of life. So I, I think that and success is not measured by, you know, your ambition to be a CEO and, your, and, and the fact that you might be a CEO. Success can be success in any space that you, you're doing because you're, you're, you're proud of it, you've learned to do it, you have expertise, people value you, you value people, you're doing the best you can, you're getting rewarded both in terms of the, the reward systems around that and compensation, and, and that you're doing a great job, no matter what job that is. And so I think it, it's the intrinsic sort of set, uh, value of, of, of doing those things to me that's success. For personally, success is, I think I'll go back to what I said. And for me, that equates to the kinds of things that I'm frankly doing right now, which is working on pandemic response strategies, working with the UN on agriculture initiatives in, uh, in Tanzania, working on corporate social responsibility designs and strategies for corporations and nonprofits. So all of that is a space where I feel I can add value and I can feel self-actualized because I can see that value in terms of the impact that it has on other people. So we're going to take a breath here for a second, and we're going to do a fun round. So these are just some fun facts so our listeners get to know you a little bit better. So the first one is, tell me a person you admire the most, and then why? Well, you know, you know Janice, you know that, that answer is always going to be my mother. And we, we, lost, we lost mom last year. So without a doubt, for, for a number of reasons, which would take us another 10 hours uh, of interviews, she is, she has, she was, she has been my guiding light. And so she's the person that I admire the most. And, and I have to also think about, like I was try, thinking about this just the other day, you know, when I was at the, uh, doing trainings, leadership and development, and you know, in the human resource world, they take that stuff pretty seriously. And I was working for a woman by the name of Deanna Riley, who was just the most magnificent. And she was a director at the time. I was a manager. I forget what position I was holding, but she was just so unselfish, so promotional, so supportive. And frankly, after I've had 50 bosses, but she's the one that kind of bubbles to the top as somebody that at that time in my life, in my career development, in my personal journey, made a big difference. What's your favorite book? You know, I've read a lot of books. I would, I would only tell you by category. In the last eight years or so, I've really been focused on history books. Like I'm, uh, I'm reading Beschlag, Presidents of War. I'm reading, I, I just finished Ron Chernow's book on Hamilton and now reading about George Washington. And I think all of these are really very interesting. It it reminds me of what I missed in school, but it it speaks to, in my view, the current world that we are working with. Uh, Another one, of course, because there are so many 
racial inequity issues. I've read a couple of things around uh, James Baldwin. Uh, I just read The Fire Next Time because my son gave it to me after he finished reading it as an assignment. Favorite city, although I think you gave us a little bit of a sneak peek on that one. Well, uh, it's interesting because my favorite cities, of course, are all cities that I've lived in. So I love Boston. Uh, That's where I sort of, I grew up in the United States, my formative years. It was just a wonderful thing. I worked at the Boston Globe, went to UMass. And really kind of the local Boston experience is what I I had the privilege of, of doing. And also as a consequence, I root for all the Boston teams. So there's never a doubt as to who my teams are. If they're uh, from Boston, that's who I'm rooting for. Uh, so that would be, so Boston would be one. Paris is another. You know, I went to a school in Paris for a while, lived in Paris for a while. What's your favorite food? Uh, there are two things that come to mind. I still, despite the fact that I left Haiti when I was nine, I still love Haitian cuisine. And interesting, during the COVID period since last March, I've learned to actually cook Haitian cuisine. So I I no longer just have to rely on my aunts and and relatives. I can actually make it. So I love Haitian cuisine. And by the way, there's no substitute for a New England lobster roll. So I am sure that our listeners want to reach out. How might they find you? Well, that would be www.patrickgastonconsulting.com. Patrick, thank you again. This was absolutely fantastic. And I hope that our listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.